In today's podcast, we will talk about The Innovator's Mindset by George Kuros and talk to the author himself. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Let's Tech About Learning podcast. This is your host, Jennifer Schaefer. Stay tuned for some great learning tips, best practices, and awesome tech tools. So today we're going to talk about The Innovator's Mindset by George Kuros. Uh, I was first introduced to his book um, in probably in January of 2017. It's been out about three years. And I had the opportunity then to hear him keynote an event in Tulare County, California, and was instantly inspired by the stories he told and the examples he gave from his own career and his thoughts on how we can really transform and innovate education to reach all students. Uh, one of the things I think is most important is he reiterates over and over and over again the importance of relationships with your students and with your staff in order to build a culture of innovation, but a culture of caring where students can really learn and thrive. Uh, I had an opportunity just this week to hear George speak again, and it was just as inspiring two years later. So I want to talk through with you the eight characteristics in his book on innovators mindsets, um, talk about the look for's in a classroom, a modern classroom. I've got a couple of questions answered by George himself, and then look at where you can find more information on George and his ideas online. Before we jump into the eight characteristics of the innovator's mindset, let's go back and look at what a fixed versus growth mindset is. So a fixed mindset is a belief that you have the talents, the abilities, the traits uh, that you were born with, and that's all you get. It's fixed for the rest of your life. Now, researcher Carol Dweck produce the growth mindset idea, and that says that all of those things are changeable. So instead of constantly staying at the same traits and abilities, you can, through practice and through curiosity and other things, improve your skills and build those traits that you admire and want to see in yourself. Now, George Kuros goes one step further with his innovator's mindset. These are all kind of wrapped around the idea of change in schools with the service of students. So these eight characteristics are really describing what a teacher with an innovator's mindset would be like in the classroom. The first one is empathetic. Now, we as educators are in a service business. We are customer service oriented or should be. Uh, For years and years and years, education was all about the teacher and what the teacher wanted. uh, I wanted my kids to sit in rows. That's the easiest for the teacher. But as education has progressed and we've moved from an industrial model to an information model, we really have to consider the fact that we are serving children and parents and their needs have changed. So being empathetic, meaning that you're learner-centered, you're student-centered, is the place to go. How do you provide the best customer service to customers that you don't know what they're like, don't know what they love to do? And it all brings it back to that relationship piece. You have to know your kids and know your students and their families in order to understand their needs and be able to come up with solutions in order to solve them. The second characteristic is problem finders and solvers. 
So for so many years, when we've talked about project-based learning and problem solution type of educational activities, we as educators have been the ones to hand the problem to the students. Now, it's great for them to practice problem solving, but when we give them all of the problems to solve, it's not as meaningful and relevant as it could be if they find problems themselves. Because as uh, adults and leaders in the future, they're gonna have to find the problems that they need to solve, not wait for the problems to land in their lap. So allowing your students to be problem finders as well as solvers is a great aspect of innovators mindset. Now, number three is risk takers. You know, a lot of people like to do the same thing over and over again. It's what's comfortable, but sometimes you have to push yourself outside your box and take some risks. Uh, we have been introducing Flipgrid and it has been a lot of fun. If you listen to the first episode, then you have heard of Flipgrid. Uh, I hope you have tried it with your, your students as well. But when I introduced the concept to the students teachers, they were really hesitant because they themselves didn't like to look at the camera and talk to the camera. But as we talked through the fact that our students are going to need the literacy of doing webcam conversations and interviews and meetings in the future, we really kind of broke down that barrier. And many of them just stepped out of their comfort zone and took risks and had great success. But It does take some courage and some vulnerability for a teacher to say, I don't know, kids. I don't know how to do this technology. I don't know how to do this activity, but I'm willing to take a risk and I'm willing to try something new. And I think that that's really encouraging for students and they can be so helpful in helping their teachers take a risk. Now, characteristic number four is being networked, connecting to other people. And with social media, it is so easy to be connected to other people in your field. Twitter has been the most amazing experience for me personally um, in building my PLN. And in fact, I'm connected with George Kuros um, via Twitter, which is how I got the opportunity to um, interview him um, at a conference I was attending. Because I've learned, you know, these guys on Twitter that are thought leaders and authors and really leading the charge, they're people just like us. And many of the time, um, they don't mind having a conversation with people that are really working with the same goals in mind. So getting connected and getting on uh, social media, connecting with other teachers is really, really important. One of the quotes that George uses in his presentation is, isolation is a choice. And it's really true. There are so many opportunities to connect um, in 2018 that if you're choosing to sit in your classroom and not experience what global connections with other learners, other students, other teachers is like, then you're really missing out on lots of opportunity. Characteristic number five is observant. Now we have so much around us that we can use as inspiration for the learning in our classrooms. And not just looking at other educators, but looking at business models and other things that we can incorporate into our learning with students is really where innovation comes from. Now we still have to teach the content. That's not 
uh, an option. We still have kids that have to accomplish certain things. But how we choose to teach those concepts and those skills is up to us. And being observant and looking for examples in education and outside of education in order to find innovative ways to teach our content is really what it's all about. Now, number six is creators. If you're familiar with the SAMR model, um, it starts with substitution and moves up to redefinition of a task. And that's really about technology integration. And if you're just using technology with your students to do whatever they were doing before, but in a digital way, then you're missing the opportunity to use technology for creation. When a school takes their written worksheets and turns them into digital worksheets that can be turned in online, that's a step forward, but that's still just a step. When you use that technology for students to create their own content, that's when you really push the envelope of innovation. Now, one of the things that we have launched this year is a middle school podcasting club. And I'm the one who kind of pushed it because I'm fascinated with podcasts, but I wanted to give my students a voice and let them talk about the things that they were really passionate about. And of course, it's great to listen to podcasts, to watch YouTube videos, but we want our students to be the creators of that content and push them to make things about what they're passionate about so that they can share it with the world. Characteristic number seven is resilient. You know, Learning can be messy. Uh, when students don't experience struggle and don't experience challenge, then they're really not learning to be resilient. And that's the same way with teachers. If you are a teacher and you've been doing it for a long time and you have your lessons set and you are doing the same thing over and over again, the, really the only challenge is that new set of students and what specific behaviors come in um, each year or each semester that you teach that class. And there's not a lot of change happening. So it's a good thing to make yourself a little uncomfortable and try that risk taking that we discussed earlier. And it's through the experience of taking risks and failing and getting back up and trying something else where you gain that resilience. Not only as teachers, but our students need to be resilient as well. There's so much to do um, in life that you're gonna fail at that if we don't give them those experiences inside a kind of protected environment where they can learn from it and they have teachers that can guide them through it and parents that can guide them through it, then we, we don't have them as prepared for life as we should. So helping students to become resilient is a very important part. Now the last characteristics is reflective and you're going to hear George talk a little bit more about reflection in the interview piece at the end of the podcast but reflecting on your learning is really important. With students we need to push them to reflect on how they learn, what they learn, what is working, what didn't work so that we can encourage them to build those skills. Because it's all about the mindset that we can get better. And if we don't reflect on what we experienced and whether it was a good experience, bad experience, et cetera, we're not gonna have that data to help make an action plan to improve. It's the same as true as teachers. If you teach the same lesson over and over and over again and you don't consider what you can improve, what things went well, what things didn't, then you're not gonna improve your practice either 
and you're going to be static and stayed and fixed for your whole career. And for me, that sounds incredibly boring. So being reflective with your students and for yourself really helps you to move forward with the innovator's mindset. So in the book, he starts out by making a distinction that I think is really important to mention. And that is that it's about innovation and not technology. A lot of times we get those two things confused. Can we have innovation that includes technology? Absolutely. But there are some times when innovation doesn't require technology at all. And then there's sometimes that technology is not innovative. You know, I've worked with one-to-one schools that haven't changed their teaching. They're not doing anything um, innovative or creative with the technology. They're just turning their stuff in online instead of on paper. So that's not really innovating education. So it's important to know and think about the distinction. They can coexist, but they also can exist by themselves. Now, one of the points that he makes in the book is that there are eight things that you should see in today's classroom. Now, these eight things are going to demonstrate in lots of different ways, but these are key when we're looking at an innovative and a transformative kind of learning environment. In the book, there's a great sketch note of these eight things by Sylvia Duckworth. I will include this on the website as well. So the first one is voice. You know, (laughs) how many of you, uh, my hand included, um, would be the sage on the stage and the kids had to quietly do what you told them to do? Take those notes, write that stuff down. Um, We didn't do a lot of collaborating when I was in school. And in fact, I think back then we called collaboration cheating, right? Because if you worked with someone else and that was, you were somehow not learning it yourself. Um, that's not the case anymore. L- learning is a social activity. We have to talk to each other. We have to bounce ideas off each other. We need to discuss our ideas and see other people's perspectives. So letting students have that voice and that time to interact with each other is really important for their learning. Number two is choice. Letting them choose what they learn, what topics they research, how they demonstrate their learning. You know, I've, if you listen to my first podcast, I talked about my experience with not having a lot of choice as a first grade reading student and how passionate I am about reading in the library be choice driven. But there are so many things that, um, kids can have choices on. Um, I'm going to talk about some other people's work, but um, if you've read Inquiry Mindset by uh, Trevor McKenzie, he talks about his English class and how it was a student's love of graffiti art that changed the way he taught his class. And he realized that that love could be seen in all of that child's projects. We didn't have to require him to read the same piece, write about the same topic as everyone else. We could give him that flexibility. So I think choice is really important to make people passionate and keep students engaged. Now, number three is time for reflection. I have a bad habit of just going from task to task to task to task. And I don't necessarily sit and think about what has happened, what I could have done differently, how I could have changed something, what I learned, what I didn't learn, etc. And this is not something that comes naturally to kids. We need to teach them to be mindful and to reflect and to learn from their experiences so that we 
can help them better determine their futures and make better decisions. Number four is opportunities for innovation. Now, this is, again, not just, let, here's your Chromebook because we're a one-to-one and we're going to use this in class and we're innovative, but what are the students doing with that technology or what are they doing completely outside of the technology? Um, are they getting an opportunity to build and create something and prototype and iterate it and create something new. What are they doing to explore those types of experiences? Number five is critical thinkers. For so long, we have lived in a education world of compliance, right? So we were raising up students who needed to work in factories and who were farmers and who were part of the industrial age. And so we spoon fed them the skills that they needed, taught them how to be compliant, how to follow the rules, how to do stuff like that. But we don't live in that that age anymore. We now live in an age where it's important that you can think critically and that you can figure out how to do things and you can ask questions and you can challenge yourself and then you don't walk away from a challenge just because it's hard. So critical thinking is a really important component of today's classrooms. Number six is problem solvers and finders. So it's important that kids solve problems, but it's also important that they find them. The world they're growing into has all kinds of problems. Every world does. But if we just give them the problems and say, please solve them, then we don't encourage them to find ways to look at their world and find problems that they can create solutions for. So doing both of those things, giving them problems to solve, but empowering them to find problems to solve is just as important. Number seven is self-assessment. Letting them actually evaluate themselves. Um, He recommends using a portfolio Um, having them pick their best work uh, and in order to share that. And I think that that is so much more important than just, hey, I got an A on this test or, oh, I got a B on this test or, oops, I failed this one. Um, Because you really don't get anything out of just seeing a score on a piece of paper. But if you can look at a piece of work and assess it authentically and really look at why might I have lost those points and how can I have improved, um, that is much more powerful for learning. And the last one, number eight, is connected learning. Connecting to people outside of your school and people outside of your building and your district and your community. I mean, technology makes it so easy to use Twitter, to use Instagram, to use Facebook, to use any number of social medias to connect with other educators, whether that's to get ideas, whether that's to um, ask questions when you don't know, whether that's connecting our kids to experts in, in fields, uh, just a week or so ago, um, one of our fr- our forensics class at the high school in the district where I worked, um, we FaceTimed in a CSI, and th- she a- answered amazing questions that there is no way that anybody else who hadn't worked in the field for a decade or so would know. And it was a great experience for the kids to not just see a video, which is a- awesome, but to actually have the opportunity to ask the questions and to get 
thoughtful responses about what they were learning and real life experiences that they were learning about. So those eight things are important in everybody's classroom. And um, George says that um, those are the things we we need to look for in a class now and in the future. Start looking for these things in your own classroom and in the classrooms that you visit. So I am super excited about this next part. Um, I had the opportunity to ask George a couple questions at a conference I attended recently, reached out to him on Twitter, and he graciously agreed to sit down with me for a couple of questions. Uh, We are in a conference room, so you can hear some background noise, but it will not hurt your ability to hear what he has to say um, and really thoughtfully answer a couple of questions I had for him. So today we are with George Kuros. Hey, everyone. Um, author of The Innovator's Mindset, who is the focus of this podcast. And so we're going to ask him a couple of questions, and I totally appreciate you doing this. Um, So the first question is, of your eight innovator mindset characteristics, which do you think is the most important? I think uh, for sure it's probably empathetic. And I think the reason is that we are really trying to understand the people we serve. And I think that in like all areas of life, this is not just in education, but it, it totally connects you know how we do our work how we serve other people um i was just thinking i saw a commercial just the other day about um how people take bad selfies Mm -hmm. and and then google created like a new app to like improve selfies and it was like kind of interesting because it was like a problem no one's like to fix like they don't even think about it but google sees like this is an issue that people have so how do we make this better and obviously you know that's from like a product standpoint but like you know when you look at it in the context of school how do I actually build things within the context of our, of our classroom and our schools that actually our kids are interested in doing? So I give the example in the workshop today about, you know, this kid is really interested in becoming a YouTuber, um, but I have to teach a science curriculum concept. So how do I actually understand what this kid's wants and his passions and strengths are and then actually build upon those while teaching science. So why not just get the kid to actually create a, a, like a YouTube video on, on science? And really for us to be able to do that, we have to know our kids, we have to know the people we serve. And so I think that leads to all other things. Like if you don't have, you can probably do well with maybe one or the other things, but you, there, there's nothing you can do without having that empathy and, and, and understanding of other people. So that example that you gave today, yep. I thought I immediately thought if I was still in the classroom, I would start the school year with just a list of content we're gonna we're going to do that year and find my experts that can teach right. that so it eliminates work I have to do and Absolutely. then makes them creators. Okay. So the second question is in the book there are eight look fors that you suggest yep. in a modern classroom. Which do you think if I'm a new teacher, which is where should I start? Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's like where you should start. I think one that is really important that we don't do that well is the idea of time for reflection, because I think that it's just kind of go, 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 go all the time. And like a lot of teachers have literally said to me, I don't have time to reflect. But that's where a lot of the really deep learning happens. I think that when people make their own connections to content, um, and I think that, you know, con- I'm not saying, like, people always believe that I think content's not important, where it's actually, it's very crucial, but it's what you do with the content and how you, like, develop a deep understanding of it. I think that's where it's really powerful. So I think that one of the things we try to do is, is build in time for reflection with our professional learning like you saw how I did the Google form and I got people to think about questions they want to ask that's actually reflection people don't necessarily see it they see a Google form but it's actually really you know focus on the notion of reflection but like something that I've suggested um, especially like with elementary teachers teachers will you know want to model to their kids the importance of reading right 
And so they'll give time for kids to read and then they'll read a book at the same time, right? And it's great, right? Because you're learning alongside the kids. They see, you know, how powerful this is. So a lot of teachers, a lot of time to like blog or write or do this. So why not give kids 15, 20 minutes to like blog and then you do it at the same time just like you would do it for reading. Right. Like there's, And I think that is a really powerful concept is actually putting that out. And I, I really like writing as a, you know, writing or, you know, some type of creation as reflection is really important because um, we did this Instagram um, book study this summer and the, you had to read a chapter, but every chapter you had to create something through it. And I guess I shouldn't say writing, I should say creating. But people said it was much more powerful because it forced them to take the content and create their own ideas from it. Right. And that's what we... So I think if that's like one thing that could be really powerful is that if you really want to move forward, you have to kind of look back and, and, and build on that. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. So where can I learn more about the innovator's mindset, you may ask? Well, it's simple. If you don't own the book, you need to buy the book. It's also available in audiobook in from Audible, and it is narrated by George himself. I have both copies, a print copy and um, the audiobook. Because I commute, the audiobook is really simple to use. There's also lots of other information online about him, including his blog. If you just Google George Cross's blog, he created the uh, connectedprinciples.com website. He, you can see some of his reading is writing there. You can also find connections to a MOOC or massive open online course that he ran as a book study in the past. Now, this is hashtagged I-M-M-O-O-C. And so if you use that hashtag, on YouTube or on Twitter, you're able to see tons of comments as well as some videos that he did with other amazing educators um, from around the world. And so even though you can't be live, I don't think there's a live book study going on right now, you can still connect to all of the content that's already out there. And one more thing, if you don't follow George on Twitter, you should. His handle is at gkuros on Twitter. He's on Facebook. He's on Instagram. He's everywhere. And if you visit the website, letstechaboutlearning.com, I'll have links to uh, a number of his social media as well as his blog and other things. I encourage you to read his book. I encourage you to watch the content he's produced online. And I encourage you to share with your colleagues and start to create an innovator's mindset in yourself and change education for you and your students. Thanks for listening. Catch us next time on the Let's Tech About Learning podcast. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Plus, visit our website at letstechaboutlearning.com. Until next time.